Hi, say something, uh, Nick. Um, one, two, three, four. Yeah. I demand a four. That, five, that... six, seven, eight. Who do we appreciate? That will do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A native speaker featuring this podcast episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the next English podcast. And you know how lately we have had a lot of native speakers on the podcast. Well, guess what? Here is another one. This time it's Nick from England. Hello, Nick. Hello there. Um, I'm glad to be on here. I've heard. Well, I mean, I've just looked at the Facebook page and I see you have a bit of a following, so I'm quite happy to be here. <laughs> not only because you're popular, because I actually do desire to do this, and also. Um, I am a very big um, fan of Central European and Western European uh, languages, especially ones of Germanic descent, because it's a rather uh, pretty language, and not only because I'm biased. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, well, that was a nice intro. So, Nick, you're from England, and how do we actually know each other? Um, we know each other through uh, the Kingdoms of Deceit game mm -hmm. um, that you created. Um, I was on... Uh, I think I was uh, just randomly trawling through um, the uh, Tabletop Simulator game, and I just happened upon your game, because Kingdoms of Deceit, and then I heard that it was something like Coup, mm -hmm. and was immediately interested, because I actually... I really like deception games, despite the fact that I'm not very good at them. <laughs> I have a friend of the I have a friend of mine who is absolutely amazing at them. Okay. Uh, he's called James Bouchon, but simply he he can beat me at any of those games, <laughs> but it doesn't stop me wanting to get good at them, if only because, you know, yep. trial and error, bluffing. <laughs> I want to eventually learn how to lie because I do eventually want to become a politician. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that that that's um uh, bridge that's to... politician 101. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like a bridge to another question that I prepared here, actually. And that would be, like, why, like, what are you actually, where are you, first of all? Because I know you are not actually in Europe. Where are you? Uh, no, I'm not in the UK currently, mm -hmm. uh, which is where I'm from. I am actually in Tokyo, Japan, uh, studying um, uh, as a part of, as part of an exchange program uh, with Hosei University. Mm -hmm. oh, well, Jose, oh, somebody who lives with me would yell at me. It sounds Spanish, it actually. So why is it Jose University? It's Jose E. Okay. Uh, because because Jose is one character, Se is another character, E is an, is another one. Or if, at the very least, I know what it would look like in mm -hmm. Hiragana, I wouldn't be able to tell you what it is in Kanji. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, essentially. Um, things that sound like it's very different language, it's probably because either I pronounce it wrong, or it actually is a um, a, a Gaikokujin word. Like, for example, uh, keiki, or um, uh, konbini, or um, ooh, what would another one be, just off the top of my head? <laughs> I, I would love to help you at this point. <laughs> I really can't. Sorry. Anyway, it might be that, also that, a lack of knowledge on my part. <laughs> Well, bearing in mind, not uh, 
think of just anything that is sourced from Western Europe or the United States, and the Japanese most likely have a essentially a bastardized version of it that fits into what they call katakana. A bastardized uh, like version, we, that's an interesting word. <laughs> well, the reason why I call it that is because it's essentially cheating. It's like when we use romanji in, uh, for Japanese, basically when we use um, uh, English characters to um, represent the Japanese language. Like, you've probably seen, like, uh, the English writing uh, for hikimori or um, for uh, karoshi or uh, for um, seppuku or... Um, um, you know that those sorts of things, but you see them in English. Doesn't uh, really ring a bell. I, I might have seen this, but I, I don't really know it's called that. But um, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, so simply put, katakana acts as a bridge between. It was I don't know when it was introduced, but essentially it was the bridge between. And unlike English, where we stuck to our characters. The Japanese created a whole new set of characters I see. just to um, utilize um, Western or American or hell, just I new see. words. Like, for example, transgender mm -hmm. is uh, also um, a katakana word. Okay. It's just simply the, the way to get around the fact that there are new terms, which is funny, considering mm -hmm. they have kanji for things like uh, train, mm -hmm. which is funny because the, tra uh, the train only came really, uh, only really became popularized around the 1910s in Japan. Oh, well, actually, no, 1890s. Okay. I think it was, some, I think it was the mid Meiji era. And that was when, um, Japan's uh, shogunate fell and uh, the emperor took over. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find something I can latch on to. Well, I, I know okay, okay. Japan, Japan is known for for um, its trains called shin shinkansen, right? Uh, yes, uh, shinkansen. It's like the fastest uh, train the... ever, or something like that. I have actually been on one. Oh, really? Let me tell you this. Okay. It's like being on a plane that isn't taking off <laughs> because. Well, because the cabins are um, set out like a plane, mm -hmm. um, like rows of twos, um, proper, like the seatbelt, I think, yeah, they, they actually have a seatbelt as well. And um, the um, uh, as you go by, it whizzes like way fast. Like, mm -hmm. as I said, like when you're taking off from an airport, you see just everything whiz by. And so, what you're trying, so what you're trying to say that is that the experience of being on a such train is more like being on a plane than being on a, a, a regular train, right? Uh, I would actually agree, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe halfway through, you start to get tired because, like, well, then again, I was about to say, <laughs> get tired. <laughs> the longest journey I took was two hours on it because it can cover vast distances. Um, it, uh, and my journey was from Kanazawa-ku to uh, Tokyo. Mm -hmm. So essentially, it was a relatively large journey. Um, it actually took me eight hours by bus to get there with uh, my uh, colleagues when we went there uh, for a small break during the winter break. Oh yeah, and I have to mention this just quickly because it's one of the most annoying bits about being here. Right. And I wasn't actually told about this. The winter break is their summer break, i.e. Uh, the winter break is longer mm -hmm. than the summer break. Okay. Um, it's kind of like reversed, and 
I did not know this. So as a result of it, I ended up um, essentially waiting for about three months doing nothing because um, the room that I was given is tiny. But the thing is, though, is that I was also given small rooms in the UK, but the issue, well, I, I actually signed up for them. I, it's not like I, I it's not like I could buy anything here. Yeah. It's not exactly within my price range. <laughs> so it's wait wait a minute. The... So so you're saying that the room is tiny. So what what do you mean? Can you can you I'd give say, us some measurement or I'd say about uh eight meters squared. Eight meters squared, so which would be four by two? Am I wrong? Okay, hold on. three by three. Three by three, let's I, say. Which is I'm nine. I'm gonna say that, that, that is because because yeah. I can tell that it's wider than it is long, so yeah, I argue okay. there's dimensions. But basically, yes, I've been given this, and we have a communal area for eating, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we were encouraged to go in there to socialize, but no one does, no, okay. uh, especially the Eastern, uh, uh, especially the East Asian students, because they because. I, I honestly don't know what on earth uh, like possesses people in Japan to go into dormitories. Uh, but then again, even then, I've actually been into several of the apartments here, and they're even smaller than here. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, so you feel sort about, of like isolated there, like it's it's like a so solitary confinement or something. <laughs> bearing in mind, this isn't the experience for all Japanese people living in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. It's just normally either if you're a single salary man yeah. or you're um, a person who's just moved here or, yeah. or, or you're a student in a dormitory. For the, major for the most part, it's the case that they live in um, a family accommodation. Mm. Um, so it really boils uh, down to what you're used to, really. And you coming from, would, from the UK, it, it might have been a bit of a, like... Um, well, let me actually put it to you like this, because I actually yeah. did some research, and I plan on uh, presenting it to my peers at one point, uh, because I'm going to be do talking about mental, uh, issue, uh, mental issues with uh, Japanese people um, as a result of um, things like Hikimori and Kuroshi. Kuroshi is essentially work-based uh, stress and death. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, the uh, I'm probably guessing you... Well, know what it is it's you know. basically okay let me let me guess so it's a stereotype that japanese people work a lot and perhaps it's not a stereotype okay all the time hours are maxed out at 100 hours and the only reason that happened was because a woman who um documented 128 hours of overtime committed suicide okay so, uh, so and so, it wrote right. in her suicide note that it was because of her overwork mm -hmm. and on top of that it's expected for you to do overtime. Mm -hmm. If you don't, you're actually not going to get hired and you'll probably get fired. Um, and this has actually gotten so bad that Japan's government had to institute essentially fake holidays to get people to stop working. Mm -hmm. Well, I can, I, can, I can only agree with you because I have got a student this year and she's Japanese and I have to say her, I have to say her work rate is it's just a, a, it's di a different, different level than anybody else's really. Well, I'm going to say this. As a I teacher, I'm, ha I'm just <laughs> sorry. I just want to say, as a teacher, I'm really happy about that. But now uh, you you are putting it in, in different light, and you are basically uh, explaining that there might that, be some uh, downsides to it as well. It's yeah. it's. I'm sorry, but like to argue it's a downside would to would be to discredit um, 
would be to discredit the fact that um, someone would be doing something about it. But the issue is, though, is that the Japanese government is doing well. They're trying to battle it, but okay. the issue is that it's a, the conflict. It, there's a conflict of interest mm-hmm. because. Uh, the current government under uh, Shinzo Abe and the Liberal Democratic Party, um, which has only ever been deposed twice, I want to mention, um, because they pretty much own a monopoly. In fact, they they um, pretty much have a tight grip over the state-funded, well, is it state-funded? Publicly-funded uh, news network, NHK. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever heard of it? Well, I haven't. Uh, NHK is basically, uh, I believe it's lo- it's uh, located, well, the Sky Tree, I believe that's where they're located, uh, is um, the center of NHK. And NHK um, owns, I believe, about 80% of all news networks. I'm not so certain, but essentially it's... Um, practically a monopoly and the thing is they try to put forward the notion that it's unbiased but the fact is is that they uh, actively perpetuate denial of war crimes like Mm. for example um, for example NHK um, historical channels deny uh, the Nanjing massacre Mm. or they argue it did happen but only to combatants which as anybody who has investigated it at all so, will know that that isn't true. So why is this happening? Is this for economical reasons? Or? Um, it's because um, it's it would uh, shine... First of all, it would be the case that it would appear like they were caving to the Chinese government. The Chinese government um, essentially embellishes the numbers in contrast. And I personally argue that they... The feud started quite a while back, like post-1945, with um, the re-establishment of democratic processes and also the institution of um, uh, the news network that's publicly funded and isn't controlled by the state. So um, as a result of that, I can probably put forward the notion that um, since China was essentially asking for reparations, Japan denied it. Uh, in order to avoid having to pay reparations, and it's only just been building up from there to the degree that um, there's literally a uh, museum uh, in a uh, Shinto temple right next to my university that actively denies uh, the Nanjing massacre ever happened. I've actually walked in there, and it, it it's just it's it's uh, written down. It's granted it's in Japanese, so I had to weirdly angle uh, my application and my uh, google translate application towards it um but it was just okay wait a minute tra- could you could you could i stop you for a while so basically oh. um this kind of massacre you're talking about could you tell us like in in few sentences what it is actually the Nanjing massacre uh, occurred during the japanese occupation of eastern china um uh in the early st- well i don't want to call it the early stages of world war Two. it was um, pre-World War II, I think. It was during, essentially, Japanese expansionism. Um, and they, um, as they passed, they went through the town of Nanjing. And uh, when they were there, um, the, I, I believe, a division um, essentially massacred civilians. Hmm. I don't, personally, as I said, I haven't looked into it too much. I just know that, I see. well, it happened. Okay. Or if it's 
Can I just say, so those things you have been talking about, obviously these are a lot of like details about the politics in Japan and and you as a politic as a political scientist, somebody who's studying this, I I can understand that. I prefer the term politics student. I don't put myself that highly. I don't consider myself that highly when I talk about myself. One day, once you once you graduate, I'm sure you could call yourself that. Um, Well, I I want to do a master's in Münster, Germany. So um... there you go. (laughs) Uh, So 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 is this something? So so the things you were describing and the position you're taking is this something that is coming from your mind, or or is this something you are actually studying there a little bit too? You know. Um, During my first semester, I was studying under uh, David McNeil, uh, who worked who worked for the uh, Economist, and he's a journalist and. Mm Uh, he has been both located in Japan and, I believe, Hong Kong. But um, I see. When I, when I was talking to him, it was just essentially the case that he's been um, at the he's essentially been quote unquote at the front lines. He's talked to the people. He knows about the stuff. So yeah. if anything, I personally trust him yeah. more than I would, um, you know, as I said, the um, Chinese government or um, hmm. museums that actively deny that. Um, the Nanjing massacre ever happened. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's weird uh, for people to trust journalists, but the thing is, though, is that it it made sense to me. Okay, well, I can't really judge it myself because I don't know. I don't know the situation. I don't know the history. I'm not that knowledgeable about this subject. I'm not sure my listeners are, but there is a chance some of my listeners might actually be Chinese. So I hope. Um, we're not putting our foot I, in it I or something. Not, <laughs> I hope I'm not uh, poking at bears. Um, no, no, wait, no. What's could, you, could, you, could, you, could, you, could you could you repeat that phrase? That was actually quite quite uh, an interesting I one. Not, I hope I'm not poking the bear. Poking the bear. Uh, oh, okay. So it's like it's like playing with fire or provoke provoking someone, right? Yes, pretty much. I like, like I like um, that phrase. <laughs> I've seen it in a couple of uh, cartoons, but like I, I I've never actually said it out loud before. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's first time for everything for sure. And I'm I'm, I'm sure this is the first time we are talking about uh, the politics in in on such yeah. a scale on the next English podcast. It might be a little bit hard for the listeners. So how how about we talk about your life so that it's 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 Ooh. more digestible for the listeners. So can you tell us um, what's it like to live in Japan? Actually, okay, wait, okay. What do you want specifically? Do you want uh, what I do for leisure? Do you want what I do when I go to uh, to uni? Do you want me to talk about uh, um, how friendships well, I build, well, stuff like that? How about you tell tell us first, like what, uh, how you felt when you actually came? Oh, when I, when I Japan, arrived, when you arrived, um, yeah. Okay, I came over with the delusion that I had um, enough Japanese knowledge. To navigate, okay. I was proven drastically wrong. Had you studied J- Japanese as a language as well? Oh no, no, no! I, I, I did basic out of school classes and um, student-led one on one classes, but I did not learn enough. I mm-hmm. clearly didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but so I got to Japan, and the immediate issue was, for example, I didn't know. Um, terms like uh, nishi, uh, which is west, or uh, naka, soto, uh, hidai, uh, maeni, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, 
which is just basically direction. Yeah, directions, just to na navigate yourself around. Well, yeah. okay. I wanted to be able to travel, and technically I have. I've traveled to Kanazawaku, I've traveled to uh, Hokkaido, mm -hmm. and... Um, that would be an island, like one of the islands, yeah? Like uh, Honshu, no, Kyushu, one of the Hokkaido, the... Shikoku, yeah? No, 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 no. Um, Hokkaido is... Do you know that big blob on top of Japan? Well, I, I so happen to know that pumpkin called Hokkaido. <laughs> well, it is considered an island, but I look at it and I kind of go like, it, Sapporo is so close to the uh, Japanese mainland that it might as well be land connected. Yeah, they see. have trains that go through it, for goodness sake. I see. Well, <laughs> well, this is what I know from my geography classes, that they're like four islands. Um, four which, which, Well, yeah. Well, as far yeah. as I know, that constitute Japan. Honshu, Kyushu, oh, yes. Shikoku, something like Shikoku, or Hoka, and Hokkaido. Uh, Shugoku? Something like that. Uh, I'm definitely mispronouncing it. <laughs> yeah. Nevertheless. Um, uh, also, um, one thing I should talk about just quickly is that um, pronouncing things in Japanese is relatively difficult when... Um, it's kanji and put together because the thing is though is that kanji has its own uh, pronunciations mm. and it actually changes depending on the context in which the kanji is being put in for example naka which means inside mm -hmm. um can also uh, okay wait hold on uh it's uh i think it's chukoku uh Oh wait, uh, chugok, uh, chukoku. I think it's chukoku, which means um, uh, middle school. Okay. But the thing is, though, is that uh, naka uh, is present in the chu. Chu is uh, naka. It's the same kanji, hmm. and this has been nothing but a pain for me. <laughs> well, and it also uh, cleared up a lot of the issues that I had whenever I went onto a train and I just noticed that they would be using just a random assault, what appeared to be a random assault of kanji just stood up like uh, te meaning hand hmm. and um, is this I think I... wait a minute so kanji it's like uh, let me just I, I need to I need to uh, make it clear to, to clarify to clarify to to even myself. So Konju, you 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 spoke about a language that the Japanese developed so that they could so that they could use they could uh, use, they could uh, use West, foreign words. Yeah, foreign words. I see. So so is this so is this um, something they did uh, so that uh, so that they could um, basically help the tourists? No, it's something that they developed quite a while ago. Uh, uh, okay. I don't, I don't know when, but it 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 was well, developed well, definitely. Okay, but, uh, yeah, but it was developed definitely either before or during the Meiji period. But now they're using it to help tourists as well, because oh gosh, yes, it, it yeah. helps. Like for example, um, the prime example I would point to whenever uh, I think about um, people introducing. Um, foreign terms to Japanese is a mm -hmm. uh, song. I don't know the whole title because it is in Japanese, but um, if you type in Japanglish okay. to into uh, YouTube, you'll be able to find it. Okay. Um, it's it's just essentially a load of words that are written in katakana mm -hmm. that um, constitute um, that constitute a lot. Uh, well, a quite just a, a bite of what. Um, 
foreign words have been adopted into mm -hmm. the Japanese language so, through katakana. Okay, so a question. So if I decide to study Japanese, not that I'm planning to, but if I decide it, or any of my listeners, would this be the version they would be learning, or would they be Oh, learning? gosh, no, 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 no. no, no they no. learn all of it. They learn hiragana, katakana, mm. kanji, okay. and the two types of kanji, because there's okay. two types of kanji as well. There's uh, the Japanese, uh, Japanese kanji, and then there's the Chinese kanji. I see. But the thing is, though, is that it's different from Chinese kanji. Yeah. <laughs> it's different from Cantonese, I should say, sorry. Cantonese, um, that would be language of Hong Kong, yeah? Uh, oh, I think okay. So. I think I think I might have gotten it wrong then. Well, no, uh, the, <laughs> I, I don't the, know. I'm, I, I, this is what I what I heard. Uh, what is the national um, language of China? That's what I'm trying um, to think. Chinese Mandarin, as far as I know, but, uh, it, but Cantonese would be ho in Hong Kong, I think. Okay, in that case, I may have gotten it. I may have mixed myself up. But essentially, yes. Yeah. Um, you essentially have to learn four alphabets, but the thing is, though, is that uh, the third and fourth alphabet, i.e. the two different types of kanji, expand exponentially. I there are, see, there are countless. Like, technically, you could write everything in hiragana. <laughs> the issue is, though, is that, well, you could write, uh, sorry, you could write everything in hiragana and katakana, but... I can't Honestly, see the difference the anyway at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but the issue is, though, is that um, most Japanese people wouldn't be able to know what on earth you're writing about mm. because um, without the kanji, uh, the words can mean several different things. Yeah. Like, for example, uh, ikimas uh, means to go. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, uh, hold on, ikimas turns into uh, ite. So, like, uh, but if you say ite, uh, meaning go, mm -hmm. um, you technically use the same kanji, but you uh, essentially you change the sentence and you change the way that the uh, hiragana is written. Mm -hmm. And if you were trying to... Oh, wait, hold on. I actually used the wrong example. I apologize. Well, I think, I think um, you, you, you're quite knowledgeable in this subject and you have managed to learn it to a degree that you can actually get by oh, very well i think that's that's I my can, understanding anyway like because i can order food i can order food <laughs> well, and i can navigate that's, that's enough. what i believe that's, that's I enough do. to survive well to what whatever what you're saying right now it's a bit a bit a bit a bit greek to me to be honest but i'm sure i do have some listeners from japan actually and also i'm going to I, I probably butchered a lot of words though unfortunately <laughs> well i i look forward to hearing from the Japanese listeners after this episode and I hope even those listeners who are not Japanese and do not speak the language they could still get something out of this because it's 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 interesting to try and basically um, get the grips with it with with the subject which is a little bit unknown to you which is my case right now even though I'm the um, the host of this podcast I struggle but um, well, you're essentially talking about the language and and the the fa um, the fact that you're using so many uh, Japanese words there. That's what makes it difficult for me. But I think the issue is, yeah. is that like um, you um, the difference between your own language, your mother tongue, mm -hmm. and uh, a language that you learn yeah. is that. Um, when you are born with a language, you don't understand how it's constructed. Like, for example, um, I know English, but the issue is, though, is I don't know how it's constructed. I don't know the Germanic links. I don't know the Latin links. I don't mm. know mm. technically why a sentence is structured the way it is. Whereas in Jap Japanese, yeah. I understand, for example, that um, 
if you put、um, a location before there, it means that it there、um, it is a location in which an action is going to be、mm-hmm. taking place.、Mm-hmm. So, so,、um, so, so you came to this understanding because of learning the language inside out. Basically, you took、uh, language classes. Is that right? Um, I was forced to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, it so, was a requirement for doing the classes, and the、I、thing、see. is, though, I'm not a linguist student, but I'm、mm-hmm. trying my best. Well,、yep. I mean,、yep. I, I, I well, will I, admit, of all of the people who I'm currently studying with, there is only one other person who's from the UK. I can actually claim that、um, is doing well, is putting in as much effort, or if, at the very least,、mm-hmm. trying to go above and beyond well, just. I, I do. I do hope you bear fruit. Um, uh, the fruit that I will bear will probably、uh, will probably just be for showboating. I don't imagine like at the well, end of it, I good, will good enough,、uh, you know? end up with what is called an N five understanding of it, and that's the lowest level. It's consider it's essentially I would be able to. I think、uh, there, there's some legal boundary. I don't know what, but it's like I could get some. Type of job with、mm-hmm. this level of、mm-hmm. language, I believe that's what it is. If you get N five、um, uh, Japanese, like if you get J one, no, not J one. If you get N one, that's pra- that is specialist stuff. That's like you can become a doctor, you can become a politician. Well, that's if you actually gained.、Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, that's actually if you gained、uh, Japanese citizenship, which actually is、uh, scary in of itself, considering.、Um, Uh, one,、uh, well, there are a couple of specific cases about、um, persons who have dual nationality、uh, when they're younger,、mm-hmm. uh, because when, if you're born to a foreigner and a Japanese person,、um, I believe it's when you get to eighteen, you have to pick whether you're a Japanese national or not. I see.、Mm-hmm. Well, and,、um, the Japanese government still clings to a lot of、um, relatively. Um, stringent family laws, like for example, um, um, ha- have you ever heard of the concept of a koseki? I haven't. I'm sorry. <laughs> koseki is basically、um, how a, a Japanese government、uh, monitors families、um, because they actually、uh, do you know, like we get our own personal databases in our own countries,、mm. and. The- Uh, anything that happens to relate to us, i.e., families or a、uh, family or、um, uh, you're talking like criminal, criminal activity, which would be on yeah, our crimin- criminal record. They, they all, they all are an extension of your profile. Yes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you do not. Mo-、uh, my best guess is that in、uh, in the Czech Republic, you do not have a document that cl- that、uh, essentially goes, "This is your family." Like.、Um, You could you create them yourself. Technically, you have a family tree, maybe. Yeah, But the government does not, as I'm probably guessing, the government does not set up a a documentation of you as a family. So what you're trying to say, the point you're making is that it's more rigorous in Japan, basically more controlling、um, your. Yes, like we,、uh, and it gets even worse when you get into LGBT plus issues、uh, regarding kosekis.、Mm. But、um, 
But nevertheless, yep. I'll step a bit further away because I will admit I'm getting into rather shaky territory. <laughs> be if, careful, be careful. It can all be used against you. <laughs> it, it probably will. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, listen, well, no, listen, no, no, Nick. No, I, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I eventually want to go into politics, and uh, this is the 21st century it's, when any sort of uh, opinion or statement that you make yeah. now can be used against you at a later date. Just Especially, look at, um, we have a, just look at. Oh, sorry. Digital record of everything these days. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, I, uh, like, for example... Yeah, oh. go on, sorry. <laughs> uh, an example I'd give is of Jeremy Corbyn in the United Kingdom. Yeah. It's the case of yeah. um, the past, uh, of uh, his father's past, um, and statements that he has said, statements of his, cam- uh, of his cabinet members, essentially uh, being utilised as uh, scapegoating tools mm. uh, against him. So that would be, Jeremy Corbyn is 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 um, a Labour leader, isn't he? Labour leader. Yes, he is the current uh, leader of the Labour Party. Uh, I I, I quite like the guy. Anyway, Nick, I'm really sorry, but we will have to leave it there. Uh, <laughs> that's because I've run out of time. Unfortunately, I've got a class, but um, I really enjoyed talking to you, and um, I think um, it's it's going to be a really nice episode and. Uh, my listeners can benefit from uh, your insight into uh, politics and um, knowledge of Japan, and and it's just it's just interesting on a human level just to talk to someone about their life in a foreign country because I'm sure I'm sure some of my listeners can relate to this experience as well and to the experience of learning a foreign language too. So thank you very much for featuring in this episode, and hopefully uh, I will have a chance to talk to you later on the podcast. I hope to be back. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. See you. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks a lot for listening. For more information, go to Zdenix English Podcast Facebook group or visit zdenixenglishpodcast.podbean.com. Okay, cool, Nick. Uh, I'm sorry, I had to cut it off because my lesson literally starts. It has, it has just started. I, 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 I look forward to uh, I look forward to next time I have I'm on because I will admit like that was quite fun. <laughs>